Welcome to the Public Services Reform Podcast from the Centre for Market and Public Organisation. My name is Ramesh Vaitalingam, and today I'm talking to Daniel Jones, who's visiting the CMPO this summer and shortly will be taking up a position at the University of South Carolina. Daniel's been doing some work looking at state lotteries and how they're used to uh, fund government uh, activities, particularly in, in the field of education. Daniel, perhaps you could start off by explaining what these lotteries are, how they work, and how they, what they're intended to do. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, perhaps just a bit of history briefly on the introduction of these lotteries. So, as of about 50 years ago, uh, none of the states within the United States had any lotteries. So, gambling of any sort was just totally illegal. Uh, so gradually, starts, states started introducing lotteries as a way to supplement funding for their government. And so this started, again, about 50 years ago, uh, where states started introducing lotteries that were totally run by the state government and were totally used to fund government activities. So over the past 50 years, states have gradually, one by one, come to follow the pattern of some of those early states that introduced lotteries and have since introduced their own. So states are quite successful in raising revenue with these uh, lotteries. So they raise quite a bit of money, um, certainly not as much money as things like income taxes or property taxes, but they raise more money than alcohol taxes and tobacco taxes, which are a pretty significant amount of revenue in the United States anyway. Um, so they're, they're quite successful in raising revenue, uh, and so what states tend to do with these lotteries, with this revenue that they collect, is they send it to particular causes or particular sorts of government spending. So at the moment, 43 states have a lottery. Uh, of those 43 states, 20 of them use all of the money from the lottery to fund education within their state, of course. So there's some variation in exactly what that means. Some states will send it to higher education, so funding scholarships and colleges within their state. Other states will use it more generally for both uh, K through 12 education, but also higher education. But very generally, the most popular cause to support amongst these states that have lotteries is certainly education. Um, other states, so the remaining states that have lotteries, often send the money just to a general fund rather than any particular cause though there are a handful of other states that send the money to other sorts of causes, like environmental causes or the arts. But basically, when we're thinking about lotteries, we can think about it as a comparison between states that raise money for education versus states that raise money just for a general fund. And when states introduce these lotteries, they are very clear about the fact that uh, they're very clear about what they're introducing the lottery for. So, for instance, states that have introduced lotteries that are designed to fund education uh, are very vocal about the fact that that's what the money will be used for, in part because in some states the introduction of these lotteries has not been the most popular policy decision. Um, so by linking the lottery to a good cause, it can gain some public support. So you've looked at whether uh, in the states that have introduced lotteries to have finance, education, whether education actually benefits, but then you've looked at a wider impact on what people give money to, what they give, make their charitable donations towards. Right, exactly. Tell, tell, tell yeah, me what yeah. you found. Yeah, so the broad question I ask is how the introduction of these lotteries impacts overall funding available for education. And as you said, when I'm thinking about overall funding available for education, I'm thinking about both whether governments are doing what they say that they're going to do with the lottery, that is increasing education spending, 
Um, but also what impact that this has on private donations to education, which is quite important because education tends to be the most popular cause of giving in the United States uh, and uh, relies very heavily on charitable donations. So in the first set of analyses, so that's where I'm looking at the impact of these lotteries on government spending, I ultimately find very little evidence that uh, governments are actually increasing their education spending. So it seems that they introduce these lotteries, uh, but then ultimately shift funds around so that they can pay for other things. So for instance, I find some evidence that when a state introduces an education lottery, they instead increase spending on things like pensions, whereas education spending remains constant. Um, so that's the result on the government side. Uh, and this is important because then this implies that the impact of these lotteries on overall funding is then going to totally hinge on what happens with changes in charitable donations. Um, and what happens with charitable donations is in part going to depend on what motivates people to make charitable donations to begin with, right? So on the one hand, you might think that people make donations uh, for the sake of maintaining a particular level of spending on some particular cause, like education, for instance. So maybe I want to be sure that there's enough money to pay for scholarships for students within my state. So that's one possible motive for giving. It's just maintaining a certain level of funding. But another motive for funding, or another motive for giving, rather, uh, may have less to do with maintaining a particular level of funding and just the joy or warm glow that you get from making charitable donations, in which case you're perhaps less concerned about whether a new source of funding like a state lottery, for instance, has been introduced. Um, so some previous literature has looked at this question uh, to try to disentangle these two motives by looking at changes in government spending, often in the form of government grants to nonprofits, and has assessed whether uh, the nonprofits that receive government grants then receive fewer charitable donations, which would be evidence of the first, first, first type of motive for uh, charitable giving. So that is that uh, people are motivated to maintain a particular level of funding. And what those papers have found is that there's often relatively little evidence that individuals uh, respond to this form of government spending, again, often in the form of government grants to nonprofits, uh, by decreasing their charitable donations. So one reason that I expected that that might be a bit different in the context of these state lotteries is that unlike government grants to nonprofits, which is a sort of government spending that people typically aren't very aware of, that is, the average donor might not be very aware of it. Um, as I said, when states introduce these lotteries, they're very vocal about the fact that the money is going towards a particular cause, like education, for instance. So the introduction of these state lotteries provides the opportunity to test whether uh, some of those existing results were driven by the fact that people really just don't respond to changes in government activity, or perhaps they just weren't aware of government activity. So here we have an environment where presumably they are aware of government activity, through state governments putting up billboards and putting commercials on the television, advertising the fact that huge amounts of money have been raised for education. So with that in mind then, um, in this environment, I revisit this question of whether people respond to what they think are changes in government spending and 
test the hypothesis that perhaps here people's donations to education-related causes might fall once the education lotteries are introduced. And I actually find uh, quite a bit of evidence in support of that hypothesis. So if I look at the average donor, then I find uh, that education-related donations drop by as much as 20 to 30 percent, which is a fairly substantial drop in response to the introduction of an education lottery. So that's the impact on average donors. Um, of course, we should also be interested in thinking about what happens more generally, not just accounting for average donors, but also the type of donor who makes million-dollar donations uh, or corporate donors, so other sorts of donations. So I conduct some other analyses that look at education donations in a more aggregate sense and continue to find rather large drops in charitable donations to education-related causes uh, on the order of about an 8% drop in response to the introduction of these lotteries. So if we take those two results together then, that is what's happening with government and what's happening with charitable donations, this suggests that the introduction of these education lotteries in the United States may actually have a negative impact on overall funding available for education once you account for the fact that governments aren't changing their behavior and citizens think that government is changing their behavior and they pull back their donations accordingly. So in effect, you're getting exactly the opposite result that you want from the lottery. Exactly. So, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what, would that, what would that mean then in terms of, uh, in terms of policy? Would it, say a, a state that doesn't have a lottery at the moment came to you and, and asked your advice on what we should be doing in terms of setting up a lottery, whether we should focus it on a particular area of, of public concern and whether we should make a big song and dance about it. What would you say to them? Right, exactly. Yeah, so, um, so there certainly are benefits to introducing a lottery. So it has shown to be a good source of revenue for state governments. And moreover, there's been some existing work by other economists that has shown that uh, tying a lottery to a particular cause, a cause that people view as a good cause, can actually increase the amount of revenue that's collected through the lottery itself. So there are certainly benefits to introducing a lottery and to tying it to something like education. Um, however, I think what my paper points to is the fact that um, by introducing a lottery and being very vocal, so by the state being very vocal about the fact that it's going to this particular cause, um, that's what drives individuals to reduce their charitable giving. So instead, if a state could send the revenue that they get from the lottery to a variety of causes, um, then perhaps by doing so, there's no one particular cause that individuals know to reduce their contributions to. So in effect, the, the way the UK national lottery is set up, where, where they give money to good causes very broadly defined, is quite a positive example. Exactly. Right. Yes. Daniel Jones, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.